Hello, world. Welcome back to Golf Subpar with Colt Nost and Drew Stoltz. Well, there was some golf being played this week, Sleaze, but there was a lot more football. And once again, my heart's been ripped out by my beloved Dallas Cowboys. Week One week into the season, it's already over. I'm, I'm, I'm done. You want to talk about it? You want to lay down on the couch? I don't I mean, even know. Who that was ugly. It was awful. Not only ugly. did Dak Prescott get hurt, they just played terrible the whole time. Scored three points. Uh, the defense, I'm, I'm okay with giving up 19 to Tom Brady. The offense just didn't do their part. And now Dak Prescott's going to be out six to eight weeks. I don't know what the hell they're going to do. Cooper Cup or Cooper Rush. I wish Cooper Cup was on You might team. want to trade yeah, for Cooper Cup. We should yeah. actually get Cooper Cup. It'd be a genius. See if we can throw to trade Cooper Rush for Cooper Cup straight Coop up. Coop for a Coop. Straight yeah. up. Straight up. No cash options. But Cooper Rush is the man under center now for the Cowboys. That's going to be a problem, I think. There has been mm. some talks. Possibly Cam Newton. You know, would they make a trade for Jimmy Jeep? Just heard on the radio driving over here. A guy called in. Said Nick Foles, maybe he's up at the Colts, back up for Matt Ryan. I wouldn't mind having Nick Foles down. He did all right with the Eagles. I think you need something. I don't know if it's is week one too early to start tanking. Is well, it too early to just say, we stink, Bryce Young, next year, let's get him? I don't think the quarterback's you just the paid issue. Dak I know a lot he's of hurt. Money, so I maybe think, not. yeah, you, you paid him a lot of money. You know, I have not been the biggest proponent of this Mike McCarthy hire. Hmm. I'm a big Sean Payton guy. And I'm okay with them just sucking the rest of the year. Forcing Mike, his hand. you're out. Sean Payton, come on in, take over. You know, get to spend an offseason with Dak. I think big things would happen. That was a tough one to have as the featured game on Sunday night, week one. It's it was depressing. a field goal fest Ruined my night. starting off. By the way, kickers in the NFL also suck ass. It's not just college. It's been a bad... Uh, how about Justin Reed, though, for the Chiefs? The safety that comes in, takes Based. over kicking duties. He's better than half of the league already. I was, with cleats on. I was at cleats. the game. I went and checked out the Cardinals and the Chiefs. Chiefs, they're going to do all right without Tyreek okay. Hill. They're okay. They're pretty good, but it was a lot of fun. It's just so great to have the NFL back along with college football. Texas almost pulled off an incredible upset. I know Jordan Spieth was freaking out. Justin Thomas was actually in Las Vegas watching. And, I mean, he would have – I think he might have had a heart attack if they lost. That was a, That's like a – two-week recovery period on that I'll game. take the over because Jordan Spieth would not let him hear the end of it, it ever. Would be, the shaved head thing that he mentioned on the radio would have been nice. I don't know that either of those guys ever come back from that if they shaved the head. But uh, how about Scotty Scheffler being down there on the field, getting presented with the Player of the Year trophy? Very well deserved. And damn near saw Texas upset Bama. Not great for us when our – I think I called it the triple mortgage parlay of the week when mm. it's done after the first game. Not ideal for us so we move that's a loss we moved to two and one though on the year on our on our football bet 14 parlay we got a little we got a little cocky went out on a limb triple mortgage now you just quadruple mortgage your house so the next bet all you do is just lever up lever up until you win finally you can't lose them all don't worry about any of these text numbers we're going to tell you at the end of the show just keep going it's going to work out we got a couple more can't missers but yeah shockingly i think was over Relatively quick. Baylor then also loses in double overtime, which as an underdog, that's where I feel like you should win. If you take a dog, I took a money line, by the way. If a dog that you money line makes it to overtime, you should just win the bet. Like they're supposed to lose. All right, call, I t- I call said Fandle. Let them know that. I'm going to ask for some sort of refund on that. They'll, they're, I'm sure once Bama didn't cover, I didn't even pay attention to the other three games. I was like, well, once you win one, it's all over. Yeah, once Bama, once it was clear we weren't going to cover, I was like, well, they might as well just go ahead and lose and have it be an incredible yeah. story. Make sure no, Texas of course is back. not. Yeah. Texas was almost back. Texas moved into the top 25 with a loss. That's nice. Play Bama every week. Just keep sliding up. You don't get your Incredible ass atmosphere down there, though. It was nice. That was a fun one, fun one to watch. Uh, but there was Show. some golf being played. Huge event over at the BMW PGA. Shane Lowry, the big fella, 
getting it done over Rory McIlroy and John Rahm. John Rahm, little final round, 62 with an eagle on 18, back 929. With a Rory, bogue. With a bogey. Rory had a chance on the last for eagle, just missed. But Shane Lowry, one of the favorites going in, was so pumped after this win. I mean, he was – this is a big one. This tournament's meant a lot to him as it has a lot of the guys that played a lot of golf on the DP World Tour. This is a big-time event. First win for him since the Open Championship. I feel like he should have won a couple more since then. He's been right well, there numerous times. Up. Been playing good. There's a chance he's just now, uh, you know, getting over the shakes. But I was fun to watch. How about the irony too of the thing? You get all the live guys, 18 dudes over there playing in it. All of a sudden, oh hey, it's gonna be 54 holes. Like here it comes, both sides go at it. 54 holes. It's not a real tournament. It's exhibition points, all the shit, and it just happened to turn out like that. Shane didn't seem to mind. It seemed to mean a lot to him. Big paycheck, a lot of points. Congratulations, Shane Lowry. He had a hell of a celebration last night. Was a little hung up. He put on Twitter the the morning after the night before. He looked good and that morning it after. Looked a little bang. Same clothes. I've looked in the mirror and seen something very similar to that before. Same clothes. I know that feeling. I know that feeling well. The man can put down some cocktails. Yeah. And I'm sure he loves his doers. And in particular, his doers 15. Because doers blended scotch whiskey and the great game of golf are a match made in Scotland. Because honestly, few things are better after a round of golf than a round of doers. Especially doers 15-year-old created to be a lighter, sweeter blended scotch whiskey. It's double-aged and as smooth as peering an iron over the bunker for a tap-in birdie. With notes of honey and toffee that play off subtle floral notes, this is a must-try blended scotch. We love it so much that we recommend giving a bottle to someone special for a milestone birthday, promotion, or even a close friend's wedding. You can make your gift even more meaningful by making a personalized bottle or a custom label at doers.com. So here's the great blended scotch whiskey and a golf. A perfect combination. Enjoy responsibly. It's now time for the doers. Cheers. Moment of the week. We're going to give a shout out to our good buddy, Tony Romo. Mm. Golf freak, who I took out to play Silverleaf on Friday. Uh, we started with a Dewar's 15, and by the time we finished, it was a Dewar's 19-year-old. My God, the guy <laughs> takes so long to play golf. Uh, it was unbelievable. I think we broke every pace of play policy out at Silverleaf between back stretches on the tee, Theragun usage, not believing me where he needed to hit the golf ball off the tee. Oh, it was a special Yeah, what do you know? Just what do I know? I've only played play it a thousand day. times. No. The staff bag, I got to assume, was filled up oh, to yeah. the brim. He carries more shit with him. It's like a backpack. The process of him getting ready to play a round of golf, I mean, it's like, oh, you tee off at 9? All right, I need to wake up at 4.30. Let me tell you. And get ready. Ten, dude's got some stress with the 10.20 tee time. Yeah. He takes an earlier car. We had, we had two groups of all CBS people. Got to play with the legend Jim Nance as well. But he took an early car because he wanted to get out there and warm up. Text me at 8.30. Hey, bud, I'm here. Where you at? Tee off an hour and fifty well, I'm minutes. I'm sleeping, bro. I'm sitting on my couch. Two hours. I'm seven yeah. minutes away. Or seven seconds away. Yeah, I live two minute golf cart. Yeah. Away. So I had to get there at nine o'clock. I was like, "What am I going to do for an hour and a half?" We, he and I, run into some issues when it's like, <laughs> "Hey, we tee off at this time." I'm like, "Cool, we tee off at nine. Cool, so get there at eight forty-five. Grab a drink, slap a few, chunk a few eights, go to the tee. No, we're we're getting there at six thirty. Okay, I just I'll separate. You'd be exhausted. Separate car. Yeah. So yeah, I'll I'll meet you there. We got slightly different warm up routines. You know? I would say his warm up for one round is equivalent to your entire year. Of That's golf. my year of practice. Yeah. yeah. And he, I mean, he loves himself some golf, but it ain't no casual. Let's just go hit it around. It's like every shot, life or death. But in a serious note, it was fun. Yeah. Cheers to Tony. Cheers to Doers. And how about our guests? How about week? Nance though, real quick? Give me oh. Nance's game because I've not played with them. It's got to be. Silky smooth, not long off the tee, perfect tempo, gets it up, you know, around the green, makes a lot of pars, probably not a lot of tweets, but just smooth, just like he is in the booth. True or false? Couldn't be more spot on. 
There we go. I Least mean, shocking thing ever. Sm- Freddie Couples like rhythm. Yeah, gotta be. Just straight as can be. Hits it out there. Just loves the game. Just everything he does is smooth. You room like with Freddie in college, you're going to have some tempo. Guaranteed. That swing's never going to be short fast. That's not Jimmy. It was a lot of fun. And Nance also knows a little something about our guest mm. this week. A fellow Houston Cougar. He is an on-course broadcaster for the Golf Channel. Three-time winner on the PGA Tour. And I'm telling you, you guys are going to love this man after hearing this. Billy Ray Brown is a beauty. We know him from moving on the course. I think he's better off the course. He's one of the dudes you want to hang with. Diehard Houston Coug was probably crushed alongside me this week when they lost in uh, double overtime. Another money line dog I took that lost. But he he bleeds Cougar Red. And uh, he's just, we need more of him. Like on all the broadcasts. He's a good old Get boy. him out there. Yeah, exactly. He's fun. He just, he's just how he is. Like that, you know, there's no tricks. It's just authentic. He's awesome. All right, here he is. Billy Ray Brown on Golf Subpar. All right, folks, we got one of the great personalities in the game with us here today. He's a three-time winner on PGA Tour, three-time NCAA champ at the University of Houston, currently broadcasting for the Golf Channel, the great Billy Ray Brown. What's up, Billy? Hey, boys. Thanks for getting me in there, man. You talk about characters. To your right, that's the biggest character in golf right now. (laughs) To your right, you kidding me? Oh, man. Well, that's very nice. I'm just trying to follow in those big footsteps of yours, my man. <laughs> and you know what? In, in my size, it, it is big footsteps. I can tell you that. <laughs> no doubt well, about it. But good. hey, I want to get I want to go back to some earlier days because I didn't know you back in the day. But all I hear about from all your friends is how incredible of an athlete you were. OK, you were good at everything you did. And you're obviously were a hell of a golfer, but you weren't really recruited that highly coming out of you high know, school. I, correct? I wasn't. I, I was kind of a multi-sport guy. You know, a little background from where I came from. You know, my dad played the NFL with the Raiders, and my brother played with the St. Louis Cardinals. His sister uh, was a tennis player as well in college. So I was kind of a multi-sport. I played a lot of basketball, baseball, and football as well. And golf really didn't get um, high on my priority list until after my junior year. Uh, I, you know, I honestly now I, uh, it was probably the best decision it was, but. I just didn't focus on the game, man. I was, I was, I was more worried about busting heads on Friday night, you know, and and then playing golf. But that's kind of secondary. Then, you know, after my junior year, um, I had some success uh, in, in high school. My junior year on the team, we really had a good team. We had basically we won three state championships, five A championships. So I, back then it was four A. That was the biggest you could get. So I had some good team members. Uh, a couple guys went on to play at Texas and. Uh, and A&M, uh, but it just wasn't high on my priority list, man. And But I had some success uh, in high school. Then I figured with my dad and brother, the position in which I played, you got to be honest with you, uh, I, I had a growth spurt in college, but I was 5'11", a defensive back. And, you know, I had some looks uh, and, and for college football, but uh, I wasn't going to go anywhere and playing. I mean, I – I just didn't fit the mold from the position that I play. I wasn't, I wasn't going to be good enough at all. And, and so uh, they were very instrumental in me uh, making that move to there, see if I could take it to the next level. Did you like football better as a kid in high school growing up? And you just switched to golf. You're like, look, I can't play this position at the college level. I need to find something I can. That's a hell of a question because I would probably say I enjoyed golf more, but uh, there was a little bit of pressure to play football if anybody tells you they like frapping two days in the summer getting your ass kicked all the time and you that wasn't fun for me it was enjoyable you know once you got to the game but 
you know, it's intense training, stuff like that. I had more fun playing golf than I did football. I will say that. Well, you ended up at Houston, which was a damn powerhouse back in the day. How'd you end up there? Because like you said, you didn't get recruited by a whole lot of schools, but somehow Houston gave you a look. Well, it's interesting you say that, uh, you know, I, I made a couple of visits. I went to Oklahoma State. I went to Oklahoma uh, and I went to Houston. Uh, I played on, like I said, a really good high school team. I had offers, but I made an early commitment to Houston because that's where my family all uh, played at. My brother played there. Uh, my, obviously, my dad played football there. Both my daughters play softball there right now. My wife's here there. So that is a deep uh, tradition that I had. So I committed early. I, I didn't take many recruiting trips. I said, yeah, this is. This is where I would like to go. Uh, but at that time, I think we'd won uh, 13 national championships uh, before I got there. And then, you know, uh, Coach Williams always had, he had a stable full of guys. You know, you, you look at the history of the guys that played there, um, that it was really second to none at that time. And so they still had the rich tradition with Dave Williams. And it's ironic, guys, that, the guy after my dad left Mount Vernon, Texas, I know this is east of Dallas. I'm sure if you know Mount Vernon, Texas, just uh, my, that's where my dad grew up with uh, Bobby Maples and Don Meredith, you know. Um, and he went to SMU. Uh, my dad originally went to SMU from Mount Vernon and met a guy named Forrest Gregg, who's a longtime NFL player and Browns head coach, and introduced my dad to alcohol. <laughs> he fell out his first year at SMU. And Dave Williams, my college coach uh, was a football coach there as well and recruited my dad that's how young he was recruited my dad to come to the University of Houston so I had known literally Dave Williams before I was even present on this earth so oh wow yes it was a it was a a weird story Uh, but you know they had a close relationship and why didn't you want to go there I I really knew if, if I went there I had a chance to do something and you're spot on. I mean, I got there and went, uh, wait a minute, boys. I, I looked in my bag and said, I don't have them shots them boys are having right now. I got some work to do. So uh, we went to work. At least you didn't end up at SMU. A lot of oh, people get out of there real quick, Billy Ray. Yeah. <laughs> Slaves couldn't even get in the door. Oh, God. They That's... weren't paying like back then like they used to. Yeah, but... well, you know, that – uh, Dallas, you know, SMU, they've done their gig too, man. They're, they're going at it as well. It's, it's, it's uh, you know, Colt, you and I have kind of been behind the eight ball with our both universities, not in power five uh, systems. And, you know, both schools have been really competitive. And, uh, man, especially you know, the talent that SMU gets, you're never not going to tell a kid not to go to SMU because you're going to get better there too. They, they can play. Oh, yeah. Their, their, their golf program's in a really good spot right now. But I want to go back to what you said, because you said when you showed up at Houston, you're like, oh, I don't have that shot in my bag. I got a lot of work to do. Well, you obviously figured it out pretty quickly because you won NCAAs as a freshman. Yeah, so you know, you, I, you, I you was, figured it out. I, yeah, well, you know, it was interesting. I figured out how to play the game. I was always pretty good athletic. I was I was always really, really good from tee to green. Always. It's just it came natural to me. Dude, I couldn't I, – I was terrible. If I got outside of Bermuda grass, I couldn't play a lick. And I was terrible around the greens because you know why? Because I didn't, I didn't work my ass off to do it. I was always hitting balls the whole time. And finally learned um, that when I started trying to qualify that from tee to green, I was better than 
a lot of those guys on my team, but you look at it at the end of the day, they're beating me, whooping my ass by four or five shots around because around the greens. So I really went to work and I'll never forget it. Coach Williams called my dad on Christmas day, Christmas day. I'm at home for Christmas break and told me that, uh, uh, that uh, I'm not putting in the time that I need to. And of course that's all my dad needed to hear. And so he stuck his foot in my tail and I'll never forget Christmas day. I was up at, 12 Valley Golf Club where I played and it was freezing cold. It was a bluebird day. You know, those bluebird northern days there in uh, Dallas and in Texas itself. Uh, it was windy and cold. I got, I got an old shad deck, started chipping and it, I kind of stuck with it. And lo and behold, I got a chance to qualify. And uh, actually I qualified for the tournament. Uh, the first one in the spring and coach Williams wasn't going to take me because I tied with the guy you probably know from the Dallas area, Mike Neese, who played on my team. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and, uh, he left qualifying. I choked coming down the stretch and we tied the qualifier. Well, he was going to take the upperclassmen. So I called bullshit on it. And so we ended up meeting at Herman park at 5 AM in the morning. Herman park is, is a zoo right in downtown Houston. They have a golf course there called Herman park. I met him at 5 AM for one playoff to see who was going to go to the trip to Beaumont and I buried the first hole and I think I finished fourth that week and we won as a team. And so that kind of got things rolling, but to get to that point, Colt, you know, uh, I was pretty damn pig headed about not putting in the work to get it, you know, be a well-rounded player. And is it true at NCAAs at Pinehurst, you got it up and down on 18 to win the individual title. I certainly did. Uh, at Pinehurst number mm -hmm. two, I hit it over the green yeah. and you know, it was, it, it was weird because, Back then, it was more team oriented. To be honest with you, yeah, because you know, that that's that's where that's what we were taught to, to believe in Houston. You play for the name on your bag and on the back of your shirt. Uh, I knew I was right there, but I was more concerned about the team until I found out around sixteen there that hey, I got a I got a uh, a one shot lead, but I got it up and down to win by two. I didn't. Andy okay. Dillard ended up, Andy Dillard ended up making uh, bogey, and I believe Corey Pavin made bogey as well. And I uh, ended up winning my two, but I got it up and down. But, you know, over the green, OB was right there, too. I almost hit it out of bounds. So, uh, pull one off. Pull the rabbit out of the hat there, if you say. Well, that little uh, Christmas Day phone call from the coach kicking the nuts that uh, changed your life right there. I want to take you back to the beginning, though, because you said you showed up. There's some dudes there. I mean, Houston's the juggernaut. Well, you walk in day one, and your roommate is a fellow from Australia named Steve Elkington. Give me the first impression, the first time you shook hands with Steve, what you were thinking. Well, the first thing I said, I didn't know what the hell he said, to be honest with you. He had a, a deep-ass little swinging accent. You know, he was skinny, had a, had a head of hair that looked like a Brillo pad, you know, that hair that he has, a blonde hair, looked like a Brillo pad. And we started talking a little bit, and, uh, and I, I, I sat there going, I'm not sure if I can understand what a word with this guy's saying. Until the next day, we went out to a place called Texaco Country Club. That's, you know, when you're recruited there, they take you, they take you to River Oaks, Houston Country Club, Lock and Bar. You know, this is where you're going to play all the time. Well, you get there as a freshman. We went, we had a golf course called Texaco Country Club, literally Texaco. The old refinery owned a course off I-10 East, and it was nine holes, and the mosquitoes were bigger than I was. And so Elkington, I, they sent our ass out there to have to go play. And we played nine holes, and I went, I, I understand now this guy, I'm telling you, he could swing his golf club, you know, confident always, but I'm telling you just, a, just amazing. And he immediately got in the lineup because he, he was well-rounded, but 
uh, you know, and Steve is uh, the type of guy. It's interesting. We've stayed really close through time and coach, you know him as well. Uh, Steve is a, uh, Steve is uh, a type of guy that he's going to tell you exactly what he's thinking. You know, sometimes it rubs people the wrong way. You know, it's rubbed me the wrong way a couple of times in college and he'll tell you the same thing. It's not like we were, we were close and we were roommates. It, it wasn't like we didn't throw a couple of shots at each other too. I can tell you that, you know, no doubt about it. Did that swing always, did it look like the, in college the way it did when he was in on the PGA tour? It certainly did. It was, you know, Colt, the only thing different about it uh, when he got it, you know, when he got there and when he left and got on tour, uh, luckily at that time we had access to some of the best teachings, uh, teachers in the game. Um, Butch was just getting to Lock and Bar. His dad, Claude, was out at Lock and Bar. Then, of course, Dick Harmon uh, was at River Oaks. And so we, we kind of snatched onto the Harmon brothers right there. And what they do with Steve, though, uh, they just tighten his swing up a bit. And, yeah, you know, the thing has been it, it only got better. It only got better. You know, you didn't think he could hit better. He had little bitty irons that were, you know, little bitty blades on these things. And he just, he could hit some of the most beautiful looking shots. So. Well, he wasn't the only stud that lived in that dorm room over there. You also had a guy named Hakeem Olajuwon and Clyde Drexler that happened to be at college <laughs> at the same time you were. What was your relationship like with those guys? Yeah, I got to tell you, it, it really stayed with Clyde still to this day. Uh, but when Hakeem and Clyde got there, it was – you know, that was kind of the, that was the start of the, the era, the four years that I was there was all five slam and jam. And it started with the king. A king got there, to be honest with you. Uh, they dropped him off at Hallfine's Pavilion coming in from uh, from Africa. And uh, I didn't he didn't know where the hell he was. He could barely speak English. And of course, Clyde um, being there from Sterling High School in Houston. Uh, it, it was amazing to watch those guys meld together as a team, but he's talking about his characters, you know, Clyde, Clyde's funny, but I tell you who's funny as hell is a King, you know, a King does a, uh, still very involved at school out at Houston. Uh, uh, but Clyde uh, to this day, uh, you know, he plays a ton of golf. Now he will, he will get, if you give him the right odds, Colt, he's going to tell you, you know, if it's dark outside, the sun's not coming up and he'll bet on it. I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> like that oh, yeah smart give man. him my phone number yeah exactly yeah <laughs> that's 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 Clyde but yeah that was that was an interesting because they were having success we were having success and we all kind of hung around together you know eating at uh, the dining hall uh it, it was interesting uh I, I will say after their sophomore year uh after the second run of the five slam and jamma uh Clyde stayed around he stayed in the dorms but access to those guys back in that day uh, it was pretty tough. And, you know, we see each other just about every, every night, but spending time uh, at night doing college kids, you know, they, they weren't really able to do that stuff. I, it, it was, uh, they were that celebrity group, you know, they, their safe haven was back at the dorm. And, and literally we had to stay at the dorm. There was not an option. You, you had to stay at the dorm. And, uh, but those guys became bigger than life out there, but they always were grounded as hell, man. It was, it, that's what fascinated me. It taught you that these guys are the best in the game at what they do. And they're, they, they, they were grounded as hell and, and they love to have fun, you know, cold beer every now and then that's for sure. But, uh, they like to have fun. Wasn't Carl Lewis in there at the same time mm -hmm. too? I, you Did know, I have him. I, I got to tell you, it was so funny. Carl, Carl's now the head track coach. Uh, we had Carl Lewis, uh, on one wing at the very end of our hall was Carlos Leo Burrell, 
all Olympic gold medal winners, Anthony Ketchum, and they lived down at the very end of the hall. And we lived at the very end of the other side of the hall. And Carl Lewis and, and Leroy Burrell would stick their heads out of the, the, the doors and we would try to hit one irons from one side of the tee down to the other out of the, <laughs> end of the room and hit one irons down there and try to go through the other window. You know, yeah, being college kids breaking windows, but no, Carl talk, still talks about it all the time. And it's funny you say that uh, basketball season's getting ready to uh, heat up and uh, my wife and uh, uh, and the family, Carl's at every game. I don't, obviously on the road, I don't have to make all the games, but Carl's there all the time. And so we, we spend a ton of time together during basketball season. Did ah. you think Carl might launch into a musical career at that point if track didn't work out? Rely on that voice? Dude, after, fall that, back. after that national <laughs> anthem, you, you oh know what? God. He has not lived it down. Guys will come, you know, uh, we're like tailgating before football games and Carl come by and some of the boys and they'll start singing the national anthem in tune. And of course, he t- turns around and gives them the number one sign, you know, <laughs> like, screw you guys. He hasn't lived that down. That was something. Hold on. Hold on. Yeah. Stay with me now. Stay with me in the middle yeah, of the exactly. anthem. Yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. It's one I mean, of the most famous things he's known for. He's like the world's uh, greatest athlete, you, like, fastest that's, that's dude in all people's medals. And he's most famous for botching the national anthem. That's incredible. Hold on. Hold I mean, on. What a, stay with me. I mean, what a group <laughs> of guys that are all there at one time. That's oh, incredible. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it, it was something. And we all just kind of hung together. We, we didn't know any better because you got to think about it. Uh, uh, at that, and of course, you work with him every week. Nance is the one that kept a lot of that stuff together. He got everything kind of moving because Jim was still um, my freshman year. Jim was still hanging around doing some uh, public address announcement for the for the uh, for the basketball team. So Jim was around there all the time. I mean, it was you know he bleeds red. You know that cold. I mean, mm-hmm. geez almighty, uh, he still has uh, Nash still has so much to do. And he's done so much for the school, but uh, you throw in that and and in that basketball team. Um, uh, we just kind of did everything we expected. It It was weird because it it was that time we were just in the Southwest conference. Football was, was doing well. We had some good players there that went on to the Cowboys, but geez, we all kind of fed off each other, but didn't know what the hell we were doing to be honest with you. If we did, we probably wouldn't have been successful. That's wild. If you look back, I mean, you got the most famous broadcaster in the world in there. You got the world's fastest man in Carl Lewis. You got two of the top 50 ever to play basketball and you got major champions in, in the same dorm at the same time. Like that's I, like looking back on it. That's, that's pretty wild. Yeah, it is. You know, uh, I, when uh, we do a hall of honor every year and I'll always bring somebody there, there's people, you know, between swimming and diving, you know, school is it. Every school's got their own little niche and every, every, especially great university, you look at SMU as well. You can throw that in there as well, coach, that uh, everyone's got their own little, little niche. I mean, you, you start talking SMU golf, look what came out of there. You got an NCAA champion, you got, you know, a major winner um, uh, there with Payne Stewart and you got obviously Cole major winner there winning the U S amateur dude, that goes a long ways. You know, you got to hang your hat on that because those are special times. And you, Let's just you keep talking it. about this more. This really, yeah. this sleeze really. We're gonna edit this. all of the sleeze went to TCU. Say some shitty well, about SMU real quick. <laughs> really, right? Now together, they're all princesses. I'm gonna say this because people take that shit for granted. You know that it just comes natural. You know that it comes easy. But man, there's a lot of shit that goes in behind it to get to that point. And you know, as far as the universe is is concerned, they should cherish and just adore these guys that that played there. Uh, and keep them involved in the program. I don't know how it's for you, Colt, but, you know, 
we as as a golf team, we're we're not that close anymore. I mean, my teammates are, but involved in our program right now, not like I want to be. And, and we're not very good right now, to be honest with you. Uh, I like to be yeah. closer to it, you know. Um, so I, I think it's uh, up to some of the institutions that, uh, especially um, where we went to school, cult. I think they should really, really uh, cherish that you know that people went there and had success because people actually want to be you know back. I don't know about. I'm not speaking for you, but I'm sure you'd like to be more involved at SMU as much as you could. No, they do a great job about reaching out and talking to the kids every once in a while, but asking um, for money, asking for money, yeah. especially, but no, I mean, with the success y'all had, I mean, three NCAA championships in four years. I mean, come on, that's incredible. Yeah. yeah you know, if, if it weren't, it should have been four. If it weren't for Elkington and I, you talked about Steve, we had the lead my junior year going into the final round with nine holes to go at San Joaquin Valley at Fresno State, Oklahoma State and Texas was behind us. And Elkington and I got on a bogey train and couldn't get off of that son of a bitch. Mm -hmm. I was sitting there choking. We would have won another one if it wasn't for Elkington. And I, every, everybody else on the team played their ass off the last nine holes, except for Elkington and I. We uh, we we dropped our pants and, and shit the bed there, you know? It happens. It does. But, I mean, yeah. and, and you're going to shake your head at this, but when I talk to Elk, he told me when you were in college, you were a top five player in the world. That's how good you were. And everyone I talked to, before you get start saying no, 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 everyone I talked to raves about how talented you were. But you ended up turning pro after Houston, and it, it got took you a little bit to get going. Why do you it, think that was? You know, it's interesting. Um, by my own omission, um, I didn't – it goes back to when I got into college. I didn't prepare as hard. Um, I learned from a lot of really good players. And when I look back on my career that were number one in the world, uh, some of the best players, there are times you have to be selfish and very single minded and that be your main focus. And that's, that's high on your priority list. Uh, I gotta be honest with you, Cole. Um, it was about number four, number five of what I was doing. If I didn't get to, if I wasn't bird hunting, fishing, doing nothing, you know, hanging out, <laughs> smoking barbecue, you know, it, it kind of fell in that line. And uh, until until Dick Harmon finally said, hey, what do you want to do? You're going to sit here and not win tournaments. You're going to sit here and be happy with finishing top tens and, you know, play two weeks to take three weeks off. And you're going to go down there and drink beer and trout and redfish. And I go, yeah, that's kind of, yeah, that's, that's where I'm at. Right. Exactly what I'm going to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. And, until I got challenged and I kind of went to work and then, you know, it, everything kind of clicked in until uh, that first time I broke my hand, you know, th three, three surgeries on that. And then, you know, everyone talked about through that time when I felt like I was ready to get back and focus and I had the, the hand injuries and everyone said, well, your career was cut short by injury. Yeah. It, I will say, yeah, but if I would be lying, I tell people say, yeah, that was part of it. But I fucking lost every bit of my confidence. You, you know, you spend a lifetime trying to get confident. It only takes a couple of weeks of poor play and you lose it all, you know, especially when you go on the shelf after you've had another hand surgery, you come back, it's not like you got confidence again, you know, physically I probably could have done it, but man, I just lost the prepare, you know, the will to prepare to win, you know, I didn't lost the will to win, but I just, uh, the will to prepare was, was greater than what I, whatever had, but yeah, I, I, I had a window where I thought that uh, when I look back at it, you know, I wasted a little bit of time. Didn't you hurt it the first time the week after you won? Like it was kind of starting to all click and you were going, it's like, here he comes. And then bam, wasn't it? It was colonial, I believe. 
Yep. Uh, I just won the Nelson. I just didn't come back. And let's see. I, Kite beat me in Houston. I went to Paris that following week and couples beat me in Paris. And then I came back to Colonial right after I won. No, then I won at Dallas. Then I came back to Colonial and I birdied the first two holes out, one and two. And I hit it back then. You know, I, I couldn't drive it around the corner. I kind of went on to the left-hand side, that dog leg left, you know, and hit a tree root. I was just in the first cut. I hit an old, you know, very small um, pecan root. And that was it. I mean, it just snapped a Then I had another one happen uh, in Miami when it w- broke on a uh, old uh, inverted sprinkler head into a, a divot. I didn't know it was down there. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. And then the last time it went, I was actually back playing good. I'd won again and I was off cold. I wasn't taking anything. I mean, no pain medication. No, I wouldn't, I don't want to get into that, but I was, I was free. I wasn't taped up anything. Everything felt good. I'd won again and Easter weekend in Atlanta, Sugarloaf, teeing off on Saturday morning on the way down. It, it, it gave way again. And that was it. I hit one shot and it, that, that was done. And I, I knew wow, that. just right there on the way down, you just felt it. And it was, <laughs> Oh yeah. I tried to come back after that cold, but I, I was so bad, man. I, I was bad and said, you know, it's, it's funny how I got into this gig after I was done. Curtis Strange kept reaching out to me, telling me, you're done. You can't play like, you know, how Curtis is. He was, he was back at ABC uh, at that time. And uh, Curtis goes, you're done. Why don't you come try to do some television with us at ABC? I said, no, I'm, I'm going to play Curtis. I was, you know, giving it the Yomas try. And, then, and funny, um, in Milwaukee at Brown Deer Park, uh, Jack Graham and Curtis Strange drove by and they were looking at the golf course. So they went on air and Curtis drives by and said, Hey, Billy Ray, I see there's another number next to your name and it's not red. It's black. You're over par again, aren't you? That's Curtis. That's what he would say. And I finally, I said, I looked over at Jack Graham and said, Hey, is that opportunity to come in and, and audition to see if that's still open? I'm, I'm ready to be done. That's, that was kind of the end of it there. Well, I'm glad you brought up Curtis Strange because I heard an awesome story about when you were leading the U.S. Open at Medina in 1990. You're tied for the lead heading into Sunday, and you went to dinner with Curtis Strange, correct? Correct. Uh, it, it, it's very give you a little pep talk? <laughs> well, I, I will say he had just won back-to-back, 88 and 89. And Curtis and I were very close. I, You know, we for, formed this bond when I first got out on tour Um uh, because of Dick Harmon, both our instructors were Harmon guys and he worked with Dick as well. And so we, we hit it off. Uh, Curtis and I were close and, uh, or and still pretty close as well. Uh, but on Saturday night, on, on Friday night, uh, I was getting done and Curtis and Sarah were waiting for Cindy and I, uh, my wife, Cindy been married 36 years in June. It was, uh, she's a lucky, lucky lady, man. I'm telling you. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, hit the lottery. Uh, yeah. Curtis and Sarah were waiting there and I came out of the locker room. He says, I don't know what you're doing right now. You're not going anywhere. You're going to dinner with Sarah and I right now. Us too. So we did that Friday and Saturday night. He went through every scenario. That's probably him. Yep. Curtis. You're hey, talking, you talking. Yeah. It was Packer. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, that makes kidding. sense. Yeah. Uh, he says, you're not doing anything. So uh, Friday night and Saturday night, we went to dinner. And now he's still in the middle of the thing. He's, it's a U.S. Open, you know? 
but he's, and I've still got the lead. I kind of hung on the lead for a couple of days and, uh, and he went through every scenario, which I think was good for me, but he scared the shit out of me, to be honest with you. It, what was going to unfold as, as a kid trying to win his, uh, won a major, but you know, his first tournament hadn't won yet. And he went through and he took me and went through absolutely every single thing. And it's funny, you'll all take it the next step, Cole. As we walked out of the locker room, you know, obviously was very thankful. And I walked out of the locker room uh, on my way out to go hit balls. And Kel Irwin had come into the locker room to use the bathroom before he went to the tee. And he goes, kid, you okay? I said, hell, I'm okay. And hell, and hell pulled me aside. Now, he'd already, just, he'd already won two U.S. Opens himself and said, hey, hey, th- just – breathe kind of go through your routine stuff that you know you've heard eight million times but it's coming from now from four four-time champion golfers strange and hell Irwin, uh before hell went out and played and just told me to chill and lo and behold that's the son of a gun that wins a god golf tournament when he makes it you know from 70 feet there on 18 you know to win the dang golf tournament but that that was a really cool time to me and i that's one of the i i think probably the biggest lesson I learned about the game of golf, even, even the good guys can get back, you know, and help guys mm-hmm. come through. And so I, I made it a point. Uh, I was never a player like them. I never won a major, you know, um, uh, there's, there's four tournaments to win, you know, and it's kind of your, 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 in my opinion, your, your measuring stick. Uh, there's four tournaments to win. And uh, I never got a chance to win another one. Uh, or never got close to winning when I got, I had some chances, but they were runaways. Um, but I learned it was time to give back to the game, even to, to younger players coming up, you know, and you knew probably they're going to start kicking your ass. Yeah. And you, but you did have a birdie putt on 18 to, to get into that playoff. How, how long was it, that? Yeah. It was about six feet cold. I hit dryer and hit six oh, iron no. right there. Yeah. About six feet. But you know, to be honest with you, People asked me what was going through mine. I said, I don't know what was going on. I couldn't feel my hands. Are you kidding me? You know, I, you, you've been there where you just, okay. And it just, I mean, just kind of creased the edge. I didn't hit a bad putt, you know, but what'd you feel like? Well, I, I don't know. I didn't have, I couldn't feel my hands, you know. I, I blacked out. About, I don't remember anything. Yeah, exactly. I don't, I, I, I don't, you know. And actually it's funny. Um, that next year I did an outing there and they took me back to the, they had the whole location cut and put in the same putt. I missed it again, you know, <laughs> and you weren't I even just, nervous. Oh yeah. yeah. I wasn't even nervous. I went in there. I said, I don't know what this does. I hit a worse putt, you know? <laughs> so mm-hmm. unmakeable, unmakeable uh, yeah. putt. That's exactly. Yeah, before that. you, before you made the, the switch into the broadcasting game, uh, you did have yourself a little battle with tiger woods himself out at Torrey pines, where I believe he needed a, he needed an Eagle or made a Eagle on the 72nd hole to clip you by two. What do you remember about that day? Well, it was very interesting because that's, that's one of those things that um, I was kind of, uh, you know, just getting my way back to playing well again. And um, Tiger, it was interesting. I teed off the last groups on Saturday and Tiger teed off last on Saturday as well, but off the 10th tee. It was oh, two. No. So he oh, shoots 62. 62. And tees off with me on Sunday in the final. He, he goes from the final pairing on 10 T to the final pairing on one T on Sunday. And, you know, mm. like I said, it was interesting. Uh, I wasn't starstruck because at 16, he started coming to, to Houston all the time to work with, with Butch. So 
us guys in Houston, all the tour players here, we played a lot of golf with him when he was 16, 17, 18 years old. And you knew you were going to get your butt kicked by him. You know, it's one of those sayings, you know, he knew he was better than you and you knew he was better than you, you know, that's where he was going to be. But that day was actually, it was actually really fun for me because we kind of separated ourselves from the rest of the field. And uh, we both drove it. I, I, a funny story. I was first to hit off 18 when we retired and I, I hit a good drive in all day long. You're it's tiger. You're busy. It's tiger. Yeah. Jeez almighty. Um, they um, get back to the story. Uh, I, I hit first and all of a sudden tiger pulls out, hits a shot that I hadn't heard all day long. Hurt. You know what I'm talking about? This thing, he out hit me by 70 yards. Oh. on 18 and I'm, I'm sitting there with a three iron left in my hand to a for that front left location he's got a seven iron and of course Cole, i hit this shot i hit the big ball before the little ball i laid the sod of it so bad i was trying to hit a draw it was short right of the green on the right hand side I, I batted it and he hit seven iron in there about eight feet makes a putt eagle and wins you know wins by two but that, that was a good day that was we had we had a blast going back and forth you know, that was a good day. So you, so when you first met him when he was 16, 17 years old, you knew, like, this guy's the real uh, deal. He's going to be oh something. Oh, God, it, it, amazing. Not just because of his phys physically talented. He, he was – damn, he was smart. You know, he understood how to play. You know, and Colt, you see it now more than any – I wish I would have learned then what I know now doing my job as a walker, how, how perfect you don't have to be. And he was okay with not being perfect. I wish I'd have been played like that. What I've seen all the leaders do coming down the stretch, but Tiger, he was, he learned how to play the game. We see so many young players, in my opinion, that are incredible from T to green, but they understand the, the nuances of playing the game itself. And he was above everybody that I've seen how, the way he plays the game, how he set up angles, uh, how he controlled his trajectory, how he took off shots, how he, you know, uh, moved it in either direction. I was just simply amazed by the guy. Looking back on it now, like you're one of the few guys that gone toe to toe. I mean, it came down all the way to the the last hole there before he pulled away. Like, is that one of your favorite memories playing professional golf? Like, I got to battle with Tiger before he did. I mean, he was obviously Tiger, but it wasn't what he's done now. Right, he'd already won. You know what? My my fondest memory, I, I will say, um, uh, in playing, I played around in. Okay, I remember what Masters did, and it's a sad that I don't remember this, and I, I say it's so memorable, but I, I had the lowest round on Saturday for a long time until Jason Day broke it right in front of me when I was doing uh, the Masters there, uh, uh, Colt, with, um, with uh, the digital inside at Amen Corner, mm -hmm. doing with Grant Boone. I think you do it now as well uh, mm -hmm. when I did. And, uh, and, and Nance actually mentioned it when he shot when – Jason Day shot 63 on Saturday. I had a record for a long time, 64 at Augusta. And it was the easiest round of golf that I had ever played. It was, it was simply, and no round was ever that, but at Augusta National, it was amazing. I played with Marco Muir. We talk about it all the time. It was one of those rounds where it could have been nothing. And I didn't do anything special. I shot eight under 64 and held that record for a long time. And that's, that's the funnest round of golf I ever played because for some reason I didn't get in my way and I was, I was really never nervous. You know, it wasn't like, you know, granted I was moving up the leaderboard, but, uh, uh, but I was far enough back where it wasn't going to matter on Sunday, you know, but I was, I was working my way up there, but that was the funnest round of golf I've ever played. 
That's yeah, awesome. That'd be a tough one to beat. Yeah, that'd be a little yeah. 64 at Augusta. Yeah. No big deal. But looking back, I mean, you, you won three times on the PGA Tour. You had an incredible college career. You're now doing broadcasting. How much fun are you having now, you know, now that you're not competing? You know, Colt, I, I have so much people ask me if I miss it all the time. I say, yeah, I miss it until maybe Sunday afternoon. Sometimes I, I'll go, golly, that was pretty good. But as you well know, uh, sometimes TV, depending on who you're working with, live TV sometimes replaces that for me because you don't get a second chance to say something, you know? Uh, and it's, it, it, you kind of get your adrenaline pump and especially if you're in a great atmosphere, that kind of, uh, sets it back. But uh, I have so much fun doing this stuff because one, uh, I work with a bunch of one players that I played with for a long time, but a bunch of great guys on top of it, you know, it's our traveling family, uh, out on the road, the time you come home. And, uh, these are people you spend basically half a year with and, uh, it, it, it fills a void for me as well, you know? Um, I, I'm pretty good. Uh, it gets me out of the house and, and uh, keeps me away from, from, yeah, I don't go to the golf course that much anymore, uh, but it gets me out and keeps me close to the game, you know? Uh, and it, it uh, reassures at times that the game has passed me by the way they play now. It just blows me away. You know, it, it's mm-hmm. once I go from a champions tour event back to a tour event, go back and forth, you see the difference in, and what the PGA Tour is all about now. And it's a game that has simply, simply changed. And uh, I'm glad I had my time playing there, but I'm certainly glad I'm uh, back doing television now. And I believe one of the very few times I played well on the PGA Tour, I got the pleasure of having Billy Ray Brown walk with me Sunday at the Players' Championship. I think like the last five holes. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's I, exactly I got treat. nervous once Billy yeah. walked oh, I was like, oh, oh no. boy, I'm oh, going to doing something good. This matters. <laughs> Billy's exactly there. exactly right. Yeah. That's, you know, that's funny. You talk about that cold. Those, those are those times that you look back and go, wow, this, this, this is really pretty cool. And you soak it in. I wish I would have soaked it in a little, little better, smell the roses a little bit more appreciated what I had. Um, I think we all become, I know me personally came complacent, you know, okay, mm-hmm. this is what I do. And, and didn't really, really enjoy some of the travels that I did. I bitch and moan a little bit here and there. If I missed the cut and I'm not coming back to this place, I don't like this golf course. It's all bullshit. I mean, that was a way for me to cover, you know, that I was ticked off the way that I played. I wish I had kind of just soaked in things a little bit more. I'm trying to do that with television. I think you're not the only one, my man. I yeah. promise you on that. Yeah. Uh, all right, Billy Ray. Well, it's time to get to our emergency nine here. This is nine fun questions. This You thought this was fun. Just wait till this right, emergency right, nine right now. All right. We ask this to everyone. You can trade lives with anyone. Be them for a day. They can be dead or alive. Who would it be? Arnold Palmer. Good choice. Yeah. I like it. I'd like to be AP for a day. The king. Any specific day? Well, you know, every day. The reason why, the way he touched people, he made people Mm -hmm. feel at home. You know, granted, he had all the everything he wanted, but he was was just a people person. He made people feel good. Yep. They're one of him, period. There ain't going to be another one quite like that. Uh, all right, that's a good answer there. We'll go to the second one here. Have you ever been out to Shadow Creek with a defending Masters champion and been told that you weren't allowed to play? <laughs> On the off chance, this is a random question. Yes, I have been. Um, Fred Couples and I went out to Vegas to watch a good buddy of ours, uh, Roly Massimino, had just taken the UNLV job and he was playing John Thompson from Georgetown in the opening uh, at the Thompson Mack Center, their first games, you know, 
And so we went out there and of course Nance was there and I meet this little guy and, and you know, in this little bitty short son of a gun, Billy Packer's calling the game and it's his son, Brant, you know, he's over there nipping on Freddie and Iris Hills. We're telling what is this kid? So we went out, Nance, myself, uh, Billy and Fred went out to Shadow Creek to go play golf. And we come to the gate there to go play. And basically the guard says, okay, the reigning Masters champion, since you're not staying at the Mirage, you're not allowed to come out here. We had we had to change plans and ship, went out to Spanish Trail to go play golf because Fred mm. was not staying at the uh, at uh, the Mirage. And so they wouldn't let him in to Shadow Creek. The, the Masters champion. Yep, that green jacket only goes so far. That was eventually you got to book a room at the Mirage. I, I got to tell you, I kept that green jacket. Freddie left it here in town. We have a club that I'm a member at here called Shadow Hawk, and Fred was an Argo member. We got a 300 members here, and Nance is uh, is a member here as well. But Freddie left his green jacket, and I kept saying, Freddie, can I bring this jacket on the road to you? You know, because no, I just keep the thing for a while. Wait, that you know, Freddie, I just so I had I oh, had boy. the green jacket, guys. I'm gonna. I'm going to probably misspeak here. I had it for way over, maybe two years in my closet. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. That's, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it, it was oh, wild. Only that's Freddy. Exactly. Yeah, that's the only dude in the world but, that's won that. just it, it, it was wild. We said it here, and Cindy would, would go, you going to take this back to Fred? I said, I had to tell him, and then I forget to pack it. I said, well, Fred, let, let me know. You know, you got to remember there weren't cell phones really going back in those times, you know. Call and leave him. That Fred wouldn't do that. I mean, you'd have to actually do something, you know, you know, that to do that. Awesome. But he, that, it had to stay you ever slide it on? A good two years. That jacket sat in there. Of course, it didn't. You ever slide years. it on and just walk no, around it, the it, house? Yeah, it came, it came to wink at the right wife's arm. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> a big guy in a little coat, you know. You get <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. All right, next one. What's the first thing you think of when you hear the song "Beat the Hell Out of Cougar High"? Texas A&M. Okay, well, I, I, there was a certain incident that possibly happened on the sideline at the Texas game. Hmm. Oh. We, we got oh, a big smile I going think, right now. I think you remembered. <laughs> uh, hey, bud, we do our homework here I think at Golf you So Far. Hold on. I was calm and cool, and now I'm starting to sweat a little bit over here. I'm yeah, we might, we might have to leave that one to another discussion here. Yeah. Okay, we can we can say next question. That's yeah, fine. Yeah, we can play next question on that. We'll do this one off air. So, yeah. Okay, perfect. I got a bonus question, so it can still work out tonight yeah, they, if you there want. You okay. go. Okay, I'll give you this one. This is a little easier for you, but I'm just curious, as a man in the broadcast game like yourself, have you ever gotten yourself lost, say, on the way to the 18th hole to call a playoff by chance? <laughs> I feel like we're getting it. I feel like we're, oh, he never I don't think back. he expected some of this. He ain't well, coming back. That little son of a bitch. <laughs> I, I got to tell you, um, we had gone in a rain delay in Hickory, North Carolina. Our producer, Brent Packer, uh, Brent Packer is uh, producing that week. Uh, they go into a a lightning delay, rain delay. And they said, they're not going to start for another 30 or 40 minutes. And I had a kid who was doing my yardage and driving my cart. He was a college kid that went to Appalachian state and he had to get back on Sunday, back to school. And I said, Hey, Pac-Man, can I bring my, 
brand packer, pack man, can I bring my um, yardage guy back to the compound? He's got to get in his car and drive back to school of Appalachian State. He said, sure, we got plenty of time. Getting dropped off. And all of a sudden, Brant goes, where are you at? And I said, hit, 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 uh, hits me on the headset. I said, I just dropped off uh, so-and-so, and I'm headed back to the 18th tee. He says, great, there's a playoff. So anyway, the houses absolutely look the same. Every single house there in Carolina, red brick, two-story. It didn't. I, I, I made this drive a thousand times. What, what, what do I do being the dumbest? I'd make a wrong turn, and I get lost. And Pac-Man goes, hey, listen, they're on the tee right now. And I, I said, hey, man, I'm lost. He goes, stop. They're going to they're gonna be making their way back to the tee. You're going to be ready to call shots. And I, 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 I put it this way. I, know, I said, what part of fucking lost don't you understand? <laughs> I did. And he goes, what? I said, I'm lost. And so I find the golf course, and, and it's back on like five. And Brant's got a camera now following me from a high tower watching me go through. And I'm beating on the, the pedal trying to go fast. And I got lost. I missed the tee shots. They hit their seconds at the par five. And I got down there for the third shots. I squealed my brakes. And it had been raining. And then I got out of the cart and says, as I said back on the layup shots back there, you know, I just made it like I like I had called a shot. I hadn't called one shot yet. So I did get lost. That's a pro move. You got to play it, it off. Yeah, yeah. Oh, like yeah. I've been yeah. saying, third uh, shot hole. Right. That's great. I was also informed that the fifth tee was not even anywhere close to the 18th tee, by the way. Yeah, it was not. It was, uh, I had to travel. I had to cut across, had to cross 14. I had to go 6, 7, 14, then finally turn back around and, and get going back that way. Yeah, it was, it wasn't, it was embarrassing. Of course, I said, don't say anything at all. And I will say, before I got done in the playoff, I get a text from Mike Tirico. He goes, are you effing lost? Brandon already <laughs> told Tirico that I was lost. And, and so I'm going, okay. It, it, I didn't think it was going to get out, but of course it didn't take literally 15 minutes. And I get a text from Tirico going, are you lost really? Tell me you're not lost. That's incredible. Yeah, like, Houses look the same, Mike. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, can, <laughs> we can stick with your broadcasting career. Um, you've, You've done a lot of winners' interviews after a round. Has a player ever ripped you on air? Not so much a player has ripped me, but I can tell you, Bill Murray ripped me a new one on air. Oh, oh, yeah, Billy. Yeah, he did. Uh, we were doing why? I was doing the first tee, and I was asking him a couple of questions, and he looked at me and said, "Can you be quiet right now? This kid's trying to hit." And I'm doing everything in, and he shut me down on live television. It was, I was embarrassing. One, I was embarrassed at first, then I got mad, you know? So, and I'm telling, I'm telling my producer, Packer, I said, every time you hit a bad shot, you said, you better show that shot. You know, we come off paper, <laughs> you show that shot. No. Yeah. I think you got. What about Alan? What about Alan Doyle? Did he ever give you one? Oh, my gosh. Alan Doyle, I will say. Uh, on that interview, you, you take it to that extreme. I had gone to Brant Packer's wedding and he married uh, Alan Doyle's daughter, Erin. And a bunch of us went to uh, the reception and went to the golf club and where Alan plays. And we drank him out of beer at his club <laughs> um, in this rehearsal. I go down to do a walk and talk with Alan Doyle um, and he stops 
I am talking to him. He played it off incredibly, stopped, unzipped his bag, pulled out a bill that he had gotten from the bar and gave it to me, presented me a damn bill on live television. <laughs> this is what you guys owe for all the beer that you drank at that place. I respect the play. Uh, oh, yeah, good. It, it was a great play. But, you know, he, he was set up for that. But I fell right into the trap. That's great. Oh, the Bill Murray. Surprise. You ever yeah. make amends with oh, a Billy Boy? Nope. Was that no, it? I, I, saw him, I saw him nail Blackmore one time, too. Interesting. Yeah. Right, exactly. Moving down a little bit. Oh, you can't yeah. take can't take shots at Billy on live TV. All right. I know you're a bit of a prankster, Billy Ray. I need to know the best prank you got ever you were ever involved in with a man maybe by the name of Shane Denham. Maybe it involves Yeah, well, you know what? It depends on you call me a prankster, and I've got plenty of pranks where I've, you know, put bird seed, I mean uh, not bird seed, but flower. Uh, wildflower seeds in some of the players' yards when they left town, knowing they wouldn't do their yard, and they come back and it looks like little house on the prairie. But the other one you're talking about right now, uh, it was birdseed. I was on the receiving end of this. This guy Shane Denham from BSI, um, a really good friend of mine. I left my car right in front of the the trailer, uh, unlocked, safe, right? I mean, I'm in, I'm in the compound, and it's safe. No one's going to get in there. I left it unlocked. Well, that dummy went and bought five pounds of bird seed and stuck it in every vent in my rent car. And so <laughs> he turned everything up to high. So when I got everyone had gone in the trailer and looked out the window, I have no idea. I mean, every vent, because it gets better. So everyone's watching out the window. I'm the only one that doesn't know. So I go in and crank the car up and I'm telling you what, it was like a tidal wave. Seed came. I mean, it just covered me. <laughs> I was absolutely, I was absolutely covered in this stuff. So now I'm in, I'm mad, but I'm laughing my butt off. So he's got me. So I'm driving back down going to the hotel, excuse me, in Atlanta. I go, you know what? He's good. He didn't leave a stone unturned. I turned on the heater and he had filled the thing up in front of the, uh, the dash, you know, the, the, uh, defog and he filled that up and i put the heater on and it was a tidal wave it came up over the window back over my head there was more bird seed that came out of there too so uh to this day i guarantee that car has still got bird seed in it somewhere i might even that take it to the truck amazing. side yeah it was it, it was bad that's good i never <laughs> that's a good heard one. i never heard so that one before yeah so whenever our equipment sucks out there it's because bsi is doing pranks to people's cars yeah, instead exactly. of doing it's their shame. job you know what this is a shout out to you shane you know what you're always getting you know getting colt and i some bad equipment that we can't hear on mm -hmm. it's your fault we're trying to pull pranks out there oh i like this i'm gonna have to come at shane a little bit it might be no, time yeah to. for yeah. Might be time. I heard you had some good ones with Ed Fiore back in the day, too. Man, I, I, I got to tell you, we had a feud. Uh, he was one of the guys, you know. My favorite one was me and Blaine McAllister, a longtime tour player. We're down South Padre fishing, and Ed, Ed and I and Blaine are fishing in Ed's boat. And we're at this place down south called the Land Cut. We're drifting. I mean, it goes for miles in South Padre. It goes all the way past Corpus, all the way almost down to South Padre. We're drifting in what they call the Land Cut. And it's about 20 feet of water, but we're casting as we're drifting up in four or five feet of water, you know, catching redfish and trout and maybe even shallower. So Ed, Blaine and I are up front and he goes, Ed goes, Billy Bob. That's what he always called Billy Bob, how deep have we got? And I went, what is he? He knows we're in deep water. I get my fishing pole and kind of go like this and stop it like, a, you know, like it stopped. I'm, we're in 20 feet of water. 
you know? And so we're out here. He says, good. I got to use the bathroom. He had to take a crap. So <laughs> he he's old, holds on to the side, puts one leg over the boat, puts the next leg over. And he's just going to jump down and kind of hold on the boat, you know, this slow drift. The next thing we saw was Ed's cap on top of the water. He went straight down. <laughs> he went all the way down. He was some kind of mad at me. He was so he he's only like five seven his, anyway, isn't he? No, no, yeah, he's only five foot six anyway. So, yeah. but I mean, he went straight down and he got he absolutely got so mad at me because he swallowed <laughs> a bunch of salt water and got sick. But I mean, Blaine and I to this day I always talk about it. Yeah, that's a little good little trick. Oh yeah, it's shallow. It's only yeah, he's got to jump in. in. Dude, dude, no, he was like go to the boat. Yeah. I mean, I'm going. He's not this stupid. And damn if he didn't let go. And it was like a torpedo going down to the bottom. Oh, that is great. <laughs> Amazing. All right, next one. I want to take you back to the 13th tee at Sherwood Country Club. You're at Tiger Woods' event. I heard you hit a rather special tee shot, possibly with Tiger Woods watching. Well, this is this is something. I, knew, I wish I'd have known this was coming in. I, would, I might have missed my flight from Detroit today. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're, we're on 13th tee at Sherwood. I'm playing Tiger's event. And uh, uh, we're doing the Pro-Am that day. And so – uh, and so I'll get on 13th tee and I, I tell all the guys we have cameras there and I say, guys, watch this. I'm going to sling one around this corner. It's going to be absolutely one of the best drives I've ever hit. I hit this thing right out of the center of the club face and it goes 60 yards right of the fairway into our TV compound, some 300 yards away. And there's a guy in the very background. He's got his back turned to the hole and he's pulling cable, you know, just going back and forth, pulling cable. And all of a sudden, a ball rolls right between his legs. And he looks back like, where in the hell is this ball? There's no man that could hit this. And, of course, Tiger's right there watching this whole damn thing. And Brant played it, re-aired it while we were on TV. And Tiger's sitting in the booth. And he finally looked at me and goes, that's one of the worst shots I've happened to ever see. And I just right there in front of Tiger, you know. <laughs> you, you, all, you, you know this for, for fact, Colt. When you're out there and you're doing television and you're a player or you're jacking around uh, and in TV – you can't hide. The cameras see you everywhere. You know, it's, it's, it's wild. I've learned, I've learned recently, mostly from Packer. You never go complain to a producer about not being shown or anything like that, because uh, they'll get you on air and it won't be very flattering when they do. Uh, no, uh, you know what I've got is fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Do never, never complain about not getting on air and let the producer find out because you will get on air but not in the fashion yep. which you want to. When you got that bogey part of that double bogey putt, you're going to be shown. I can promise you that. Oh, yeah. I love <laughs> it. Let's cut down to 12. This putt's for triple here. Yeah, yeah. Hold, no. this is, hold on. This will put him nine hold out on. of the cut line. That's exactly right. We, that's about yeah. it. <laughs> that's good. All right, last one from me. I'm going to give you a little chance here to take a shot at your boy if you want. Your roommates, best friends, all that, with Steve Elkington, all right? So go back to the uh, Houston days. Billy Ray Brown, Steve Elkington walk into a sorority party at Houston. Start talking to the same girl. Who wins? Oh, I do. No. I, I, I'm <laughs> Is that because they couldn't understand him? That, that sounds, no, I, I will say he had the, the accent. The accent gave it away. Yeah. I mean, oh, God, they love the Australian accent. I was so much better looking than him. Are you kidding me? You know, some skinny, blonde-headed, <laughs> frizzy-haired. But he would drop in, you know. Hey, good day, mate. You know, how you doing? You know, I'm going, come on, man. No chance at all. He was, he was the guy, you know, he, he wouldn't have to say any words at all. Just the accent. 
the Australian accent. That accent is lethal. Oh, it, oh God, yeah. That Australian over here is like oh, you get God. you go from a four to an eight real quick just saying hello. Exactly. No, yeah, no doubt. And if you know, depends on what school you go to. Sometimes my accent, I go from a a four to a zero with hey, what's up? You know? <laughs> yeah, you get up in the Northeast. <laughs> you're at the Yale bars. Exactly. Uh, too impressed. Yeah. All right, last one. All right. You've traveled your whole life, whether it be playing competitive golf or doing TV. You're away from the family a lot. What is your favorite gift your wife Cindy has ever sent you on the road? Mm. Mm. Uh, I got maybe ask. it was to the Dick Sporting Goods Open. I don't know. You know, I could have been. I, Who I, knows? I tell you, I, you know what? I know where you're going with this, and it's incredible. <laughs> I, I will say this: the research is done on this. I will say. Um, it was one of the most embarrassing times, but I, but I had my chest stuck out so bad. I was getting ready to leave for two weeks. I was doing the Dick Sporting Goods Open, and I was, for some reason, I was going to go for two weeks and shoot this show called Big Break, where you didn't, you couldn't leave. You know, you you were tied down. People gamble on the stuff. You got to sign a waiver. And of course, Frank Nablo had found something in his room, uh, some uh, adult magazines and tapes. And uh, at the hotel there in, and he gave them to Brant and Frank put them inside of a FedEx box, wrote my name on it from Cindy Brown, had some lipstick on it, you know, like, Hey, I'm going to miss you. You know? So it's presented to me in a production meeting with the tournament director in there. And of course, it gets to me, and I'm thinking, yeah, what do you guys got? You got nothing. My wife sent me a nice little box where I'm gone for two weeks. <laughs> and Brandon goes, well, open it. I want to see what it is. I said, no, it's personal, I'm sure. So I open it. You know, it wasn't going to be – Cindy would never sing anything bad, but I, I undo it, look in the box, and I just go, nothing. <laughs> it was it was, it was, was some of the rankest stuff you had ever seen in your life. And so I felt so good about myself for about 10 seconds. Then finally, I just went, oh, God, I've been had again. You know, I don't know why it happens to me. They always called me WWM. What's wrong now? If something's going to happen, it's going to happen to me. I don't know why. I have no uh, Oh, that's great. Good, good to have friends. Good things happen you. to good people, they say, huh? Yeah. Well, the good yeah. news is we got this wonderful platform here. If you ever want to get Brant Packer back, you're more than welcome. Dude, just come bury him for an hour. We have got – oh, dude, I, I can go on this. I, I'm telling you, we need to sit down <laughs> and go – and go through that because I can really, you know, he and his anxiety, I told him, anxiety issues. I told him we were having you on. Yeah. <laughs> anxiety issues. Yeah. I told him we were having you on and he sent me the longest text I've ever seen in my life. Dude. <laughs> he was so excited. But longer, longer than the text you got from him before uh, you went on air. But I mean, before you got to the tournament there at the US Sam, all the shit that you, all the paperwork that you got. Oh, Way oh, longer, you, but yes. Yeah. I, I hope you ditched all those. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we we'll had a give blast. you a chance, yeah. Billy, to get all these fools yeah. back. Don't you worry. Oh, yeah. I, 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 we appreciate you. All right, guys. Thanks. All right. Well, please, how much fun was Love Billy him. Ray Brown? Told Love you. Him. I told you when we had him coming in. A lot of people, you might not know who he is. You might have heard of him, but you're going to love him at the end of this episode. Any fellow that gets lost on his way to the playoff, I respect that a lot. And of course, he's been out all week. I love the little, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's been out there for six days. Yeah. yeah. Where the hell is this 18th hole again? Uh, the little gift package he got from the 
From the wife. See, those are some stuff behind the scenes that, you know, people don't know about the pranks that go on. And that is great. Here he is. I'll feel it all good. Oh, my wife sent me something nice. Now, that'd be Brant Packer and Frank Noblo pulling a fast one. Hey, open that up. Right in front of everybody. Yeah, what you got there? (laughs) I love your Australian Frank Noblo. Yeah, that was my He's from New Zealand, but whatever. It's the same, basically. Kiwis, Aussies, they're basically. It's all just one little lump down there in the corner. But it's funny. Talking to, you know, a bunch of guys like Steve Elkington in particular, anyone in the TV world or former player that played alongside Billy Ray Brown, they're like, this guy was a stud. Like, if it wasn't for that injury, he would have had a monstrous career. He won three times. You know, was up there with chance to win the U.S. Open at Medina mm-hmm. for that incredible dinner with Curtis Strange, giving a little pep talk the night Curtis before. Curtis just scaring the shit out of him. But, man, it, it sucks when injuries do that to a player that had so much promise. But, listen, he's found his way. He's been an incredible on-course broadcaster for a long time. Yeah, and the not only the injury, but, like, the timing of the injuries. Right after he won, here we go, you know, pop the lid. Now it's time to go. And then the next week at Colonial, a root, like a freak thing. And then he had the sprinkler deal again. The re-injured is like he's just caught some bad breaks, but same thing. Like you talk to people from that era, they're like, dude, physically, like as talented as anybody was out there at the time. Um, Ball boy, they could just chuck it across the field. Yeah, he looks like yards. a dude. He could lace. He could put the hat on somebody back in his playing days, back in football. But I love it. We'll always be a Billy Ray Brown fan. How about Bill Murray going at him too on oh, TV? Billy, that. oof, Billy moves way down. Billy Murray. Yeah. Bill Murray, not Billy Ray. No, Billy Ray yeah. moved way up on your list. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Want to hang. But thanks for Billy Ray Brown for joining us. Sleaze, it's football season. It's also now golf season. Fortnite Championship defending champ Max Homa is the favorite. Going off, depends on where you we look at it, but obviously you should look at it at FanDuel. Going off around 15-1 to 1 with Hideki Matsuyama as well. So we're going to start now that it's football and golf. We're going to have some fun little action, some parlays, maybe a finish by Max Homa versus his Cal Bears covering this weekend at Notre Dame. We don't know. We're going to get that to you later this week, but some fun football slash golf parlays. A lot of ways to win and or lose shitloads now that everything's We're firing. positive. We're going to win. Everything's we got NFL, too. We're 2-1 and one on the year. We're, we're That's unbelievable. higher than the pros, yeah. that win percentage. We'll be By the way, that was a four-way parlay. We can't be held to that. Well, like I said, college football is back. Put on your favorite game day gear because college football is here and FanDuel wants you to get in on the action. Right now, new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in free bets if your first bet doesn't win. Like I said, we're going to have we got college football. we got golf. we got NFL, NFL football. You just keep on firing. Mm-hmm. Whatever you want. Probably a horse race somewhere you can fire on. So this week we're going to take, as we always do with golf, our favorite and a dark horse, and then we're going to throw in a college football pick at them. Done. Okay. My favorite is also... One of your favorites to pick every week. Going off at 18-1, to 1, one of the purest ball strikers in the game. No. I know he's fired up to re- represent the international team at Quail Hollow. Next week, I'm going Corey Connors to get the job done in Napa at 18-1. to 1. Say no more. You love him. I'm in. Yeah. Corey Connors, top 20, I think I bet almost every single week. Whether I say it on the spot or not, it's like, oh, Corey, it's always like plus money. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll take that. Love Corey Connors every single week. I'm going with the guy as my favorite. I feel like he's going to be a little bit chalky. This week, but I'm going to still take him anyways. He's going off at 26 to 1. That's Maverick McNeely. Stanford guy, NorCal guy. Everybody knows about that, but he tends to play awesome in the state of California anytime he gets up there. He was, he was runner up. He man. was runner up last year out there. Had a really good chance to win. He was uh, right there at the Barracuda, which is basically Northern California earlier this year. You had him in that deal, and he had mm-hmm. a disastrous finish to that. Plays great at Pebble. He just loves playing up there. And it's like I said, it's going to be chalky because everybody knows this, but I'm still going to go Maverick McNeely 26 to 1. I had him two weeks in a row last year, Barracuda being one, 
and then the following week where combined his last eight holes of both tournaments, he was like 12 over five. He had some shots there. Didn't quite close, but this is the, the week I think. He likes this golf course. Um, I think 26 to one is worth firing on. He comes out the gates too, I feel like, each year with some good finishes. All right. Uh, for my dark horse, this golf course is not long. It's rather narrow. This man hits it straight as anybody on the planet. He's 50 to one. He won that, so you, as you mentioned, Barracuda Championship this year. Oh, boy. Chez Reve. Oh, boy. Chez Reve. The Frenchman. Yeah, looking to play what his way onto the Chesney? European Ryder Cup 50 team. to 1. Well, if you look right here, he is also my dark horse. We oh. did not communicate before the show, obviously. Uh, These never... are authentic and real. Uh, I also have Chez Reve at 51 for basically every reason you just said. Short golf course, hit it straight, irons, not terrible. Typically hoops a few early in the fall um, and was playing good towards the end of last year. So I'm going to take Chesney too. All right. one. That rarely happens, by the way. I love that. All right, let's go to a little college football. Mm. <laughs> I mean, here, here we go. This Get is your our house expertise. back. Get your house back. All right, I'm going to go with the team that's going up against a team that has had just an absolute. <laughs> a team going up against the team? Well, I'm going with the Oklahoma Sooners. I like that. But they're going up uh. against Nebraska, who is just a damn dumpster fire. Just fired Scott Frost. By the way, got the best deal in the world. He gets $15 million he and gets to go away. Say what you want. He's a genius. He knew the deal. If I make it to October 1st, I get half my buyout. If I can get, if I get fired right now, which I'm going to, by the way, after the start of the season, I get all of it. And he forced you, his way out for 15 mil. Shout out to him. Do you think that's that why smart. he kicked that onside kick? There's no way some of the shit he's doing. I'm like, he's, he knows. He knows there's 15 waiting for him. If he can push the, if he can just lose another one, he'll get out of there before October 1st and get 15 mil. That's well, genius. He, he was already dead man walking. They played Georgia Southern this past weekend. Mm-hmm. End up losing by three. We're leading going into the fourth quarter. Nebraska had never lost at home leading into the going into the fourth quarter. 214 and 0. That's unbelievable. No That's unbelievable. Unless someone lied to me on They Twitter, never played Georgia I, Southern. At they home. Did not. You know how Georgia Southern so brings, Boomer it, brings it in the fourth. Minus 11 and a half over Nebraska. That's good. I like that. Uh <laughs> That's like actually that. really good. I like actually, that. The more I'm thinking about that, I'm, that is a full send for me right now. Uh, I'm going to give it to you. All right. I was between two games here. This one's earlier in the week, so I'm going to go with it and <laughs> see how things go. So, so I if you lose, more. you can recover? Exactly. Yeah. I'm going Florida State, coming off a big win over LSU. Take it however you can get it. Okay. Minus one and a half over Louisville, who I bet blindly week one against Syracuse. Syracuse has been terrible. I was like, oh, Louisville. They got some dudes. Take Louisville. They get stomped. By Syracuse. The comeback and won last week. I don't think they're very good. I don't know about Florida State yet, but they're only given one and a half at Louisville. Give me the Knolls. Wow. Oklahoma, Louisville. You want to get a little, a little aggressive? Maybe parlay them. Parlay that thing. All right. I thought you were going to go USC again, which, by the way, they're not about Two play. in a row. Yeah. 12 and a hook. 12 and a hook this week against uh, Fresno. I mean, probably taste that too. I got a house might, to get back to. Might as well dog. just keep riding it until be, it gets kicked off. I'm be sleeping under the 101 here quickly if things don't turn I got to run. I don't need any of these numbers you're going to read, though. All right. Well, if you've been Not thinking about joining FanDuel, now is the perfect time to give it a shot. The app is so easy to use, they're always hooking you up with great odds. And when you win, you get paid fast. So see for yourself why FanDuel is America's number one sports book. Download the FanDuel app today and sign up with promo code SUBPAR and get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 back in free bets and bet on college football all season long and golf. Use promo code SUBPAR. Get ready. We're going to throw out a little golf 
college football parlay for you later in the week. It's going to be a lot of fun. But must be 21 years and older in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable free bets that expire 14 days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG. In Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, or Virginia, 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, visit com. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana or 1-877-8-OPEN-Y or text OPEN-Y. That's 467-369 in New York. Tennessee red line 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee or 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia. Don't need it. Double up the catch up. That's all you need to say. All right. That's going to do it for us. We'll talk to you on next week's Golf Subpar. 